1: A new week starts right now live on the morning after on a monday on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm and all across the sports grid network as well i am ben stevens a ton to get to on this Monday morning a major championship ahead a major championship last weekend on the tennis court as well grass all around it's the open championship this week a Wimbledon final yesterday and a dandy between Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic we'll go over who won what happened on the women's side and then set you up for your week ahead in Major League Baseball as well Donnie right side will join us here in just a couple of moments in fact I believe DRS is ready for this Monday morning, live right here on the morning after. If you watch the early line this morning, just about an hour ago right here on the Spiz Grizz, it was DRS in the lead chair hosting that esteemed program as they were talking MBA summerly. DRS, you do it all for us here all across the grid.
2: The heavy lifting is needed. Look, that morning show, I put that team on my back and ready to get going, Ben. With you, a little bit more of a professional, I could take that secondary chair here, so I'm ready to go. Let's do it.
1: I appreciate that. We won't slander old K-dubs all that much. (laughs) Rocking an old Miss polo on this Monday morning. That man is ready for a college football season. DRS, though, we start at Wimbledon. Yesterday's men's final between Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic. In the Joker wins his fourth straight on center court on grass. His seventh Wimbledon title overall. His 21st major championship, only behind Rafael Nadal, who has the most grand slams in men's history at 22. And only Roger Federer having more Wimbledon championships. Now with eight over Novak Djokovic, seven. But yesterday, DRS losing that opening set. To Nick Kyrgios, Djokovic shows you why he is so steadfast, remains calm, and wins the final three sets for his seventh Wimbledon victory of his career.
2: Yeah, he's a machine out there. It doesn't get rattled when it. Take a look at Nick Kyrgios, who, quite frankly, gets rattled all the time. And that was the fun of the yep. overall match. And I even said it before, Ben. Like, you're talking about two titans that were about to go out of here and Djokovic and Nadal is probably where that Wimbledon final was headed, which the networks would have loved. I'm sure the fans alike. Yep. But those people on the periphery here, right, where you're trying to look at on the outside saying, how can we draw more tennis guys in? I put the, the match on yesterday, and I was enthralled all the way through. Like, I'd never seen a guy that gets so angry at his own fan base on the side or, you know, played that high of tennis and can only blow up. And you were watching almost like that car wreck effect saying, what's going to happen next? I need to keep the dial tuned right here. I was fascinated all the way through. Great tennis match. And again, Djokovic shows you why he is the best in the world.
1: It was almost comical, DRS, listening to Kyrgios in his first Grand Slam final of his career afterwards saying, Novak didn't really do anything all that great yesterday. But he's just so steady in his presence on the court. His demeanor never wavers while Nick Kyrgios is yelling at the umpire for that girl in the dress who looks like she drank 700 beers, bro. So that's the difference between the champion and Kyrgios who gave a great challenge yesterday. but. Novak Djokovic winning the Wimbledon title was not a surprise to anybody including the sports books. An odds-on favorite from the start of the tournament just about a fortnight ago there at the All-England's Club. Minus 125, minus 260 was that heavy price entering the quarterfinals for Novak Djokovic. And the final entering yesterday DRS, that line ending at minus 365. A heavy and substantial odds-on favorite to claim his fourth straight Wimbledon championship. And that is what he does a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after live on this Monday. It's Ben Stevens and Donnie Wrightside, side Sirius XM channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. Novak Djokovic wins his seventh Wimbledon title on the men's side. A minus 365 favorite entering that championship match. However, DRS on the women's side Elena Ribakina, who was 100 to one before the tournament got underway claims her first Grand Slam championship, beating Anz Jabor in the women's final on Saturday. So chalk for Novak, anything but for Reba Kina. But that was just one area of the sports world over this weekend DRS. We also go to Major League Baseball. The All-Star lineups have been announced. Now, Donnie, do you believe in snubs for an All-Star game? And if so, who do you think was left off the list?
2: Yeah, I don't believe in all that much snubs here because, quite frankly, this isn't where the you know press picks them out or the team itself picks them out. It's mostly a fan vote in the All-Star game because it is an exhibition game. But if you take a look at maybe like the Freddie Freemans of the world, even if you're talking about pitching yep. prospects here, my Philadelphia Phillies, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, but I don't get caught up all that much in who got left in and who got left out because the fans are voting these guys in. Bryce Harper got voted in as the DH Ben, It's not even going to play in the game. See what I mean?
1: Absolutely so William Contreras will be out there with his brother who is the starting catcher for the National League Wilson Contreras a family affair at next week's Major League Baseball All-Star Game in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium but DRS we're already past the midway point of this Major League Baseball season in terms of the games. But the first half officially comes to a close at next week's All-Star break. It gives us a time to look at the World Series odds to check in on those numbers. The Yankees, the favorites at plus 400, 50 cents ahead of the Dodgers at plus 450. But the Astros only a dollar behind LA, plus 550 in the Mets, seven to one. The Braves round out the top five at ten to one. Of course, Atlanta, the reigning World Series champs. DRS, where's the value on this board?
2: I don't know. If you're trying to look at a value perspective, you can always look at the New York Mets at that 7 to 1 price to say we anticipate mm-hmm. Scherzer and also DeGrom being completely healthy and also Cohen on an ownership group level paying for no matter how many bats or pitchers he needs to win
1: that division, maybe that 7 to 1 price on the Mets is worth it. Not only the halfway point, but the trade deadline up very soon. We continue with Major League Baseball next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Baltimore Orioles, yes, the Baltimore Orioles are one of the hottest teams in all of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to the morning after on this Monday. DRS, was there ever a time in your life that you thought throughout this 2022 Major League Baseball season, we would utter those words, the Baltimore Orioles are one of the hottest teams in all the bigs?
2: No, absolutely not, simple answer.
1: And now, after winning 9-5 yesterday over the Angels, a four-game sweep this weekend in Baltimore, the O's have won eight straight games, booked as an underdog in four of these eight consecutive wins, sweeping the Halos again this weekend. And DRS, here's the fascinating thing about Baltimore. Now they're 43 and 44 straight up this year. They are one game below 500 they have the best run line record in all of the major leagues at 55 and 32 they're still in last in the al east technically 18 and a half games behind the new york yankees but they're only two games behind toronto which is not just interesting from a divisional standing standpoint but also they're just two games out of the wild card race where we stand right now and you can see how baltimore has surpassed even the worst of expectations entering this year it was the lowest win total of all teams in mlb 61 and a half they are going to fly over that number with already 43 wins this year
2: no they certainly are let's take a look here at the baltimore orioles on the season right heading into the season it looked like it was going to be one of those teams that was just going to flounder around be like the oakland athletics win barely 60 games and get another high draft pick which is typically what they were doing but also now you take a look at the al east which is so good and so talented that they're starting to become a player not to win the division but maybe make the playoffs now i hope this trend Mm -hmm. then doesn't continue and what i'm getting at is you know, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, one of the most beautiful stadiums in Major League Baseball up until this year where they basically put in a green monster in left field and ruined it. Now, other GMs around legal, no, wait a second. I could take a really bad baseball team, ruin my ballpark, and put a giant wall up, and my pitching staff will all of a sudden get confidence now? I hope this doesn't start, but it looks like that might have been the biggest change in the Baltimore Orioles was messing with their stadium, and now they have confidence? What kids here, you been? I don't want to see this as a trend.
1: I mean, you can see the odds still on Baltimore to win the American League East. 2,500 to 1, 2,500 to 1. It's a very long number. And again, 18 and a half games back of the New York Yankees in this division. But DRS, here's what you alluded to earlier on in this show. Not only is the All-Star break next week, the trade deadline in Major League Baseball is at the end of July. There's six teams now that qualify for the postseason in both leagues, 12 in total out of the 30 overall in MLB. We get to this point of the year. Normally, there's a clear delineation between the teams that are going to be sellers and or buyers at the deadline. Baltimore is in a rebuild. They don't want to be winning these games, yet they are getting very close to that preseason win total of 61 and a half. Are the O's going to be buyers at the deadline only two games out of that wild card race right now? No, they won't be buyers, but
2: here's the difference between being buyers and having a team that says, hey guys, I don't want to, you know, stunt the progress that we've made. What do typically teams do? You go out and get a veteran bat. You go out and get maybe a fourth or fifth starter there. You go out and add maybe two lower level bullpen arms here because the one thing that you have is a young baseball team that's finally starting to learn how to win. You don't want to say at the deadline, we don't believe in you guys, but obviously you're not going to go out and make major moves to get frontline starting pitching when honestly they're not going to win anything this year, but you don't want to stunt that process. You will add on in smaller smaller moves sort of like the Atlanta Braves did last year but do it on that type of wavelength they'll help them out then but not going to be sellers. excuse me sellers or buyers I should say at the deadline
1: it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the American League East and what it means for the American League playoff race overall we'll get to that In just a couple of moments, we showed you the AL East odds. The Yankees still a very substantial favorite at minus 2,200. They have a 14-game lead now over the Boston Red Sox. As the Red Sox take the final two of the four-game set in Fenway this weekend. Winning yesterday in that finale 11-6. Down 6-2 early on in this game against the Pinstripes DRS. The Red Sox score 9 unanswered to split this series after losing the first two games of the weekend. Yeah, it needed to come
2: back four and six in the last 10 games. And also from a Red Sox standpoint, you're not chasing down the Yankees. Nobody's chasing down the Yankees in the AL East. But you still want to give them hope where if you do enter into a wide wild card scenario, it's not as if the Yankees pulverize you the entire Major League Baseball season and you don't have a chance. it will be interesting to see as we keep on talking about the trade deadline, the Boston Red Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Toronto Blue Jays, all in those crosshairs where, again, not to win the AL East but show the Yankees We're not just going to fold up shop. We meet you in September, late September and October. We want to make sure we have a chance if we meet
1: you in a series. One of the most important things about what the O's are doing right now is that no team is a pushover in this incredibly competitive AL East that we expected to be the best division in baseball entering this year off to a slow start early on in this Major League Baseball season in the first month and a half or so. But since then, it has stood the test of time to truly be that best division in all of the big. So as it stands right now, the Red Sox, 14 games back of the Yankees but they have the third best record in the American League the twins have the fourth the Rays have the fifth and there is a tie for that sixth and final spot right now if the season were to end today in the American League wildcard race between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners the Mariners coming back yesterday to beat the Blue Jays in their weekend finale six to five for the eighth straight win for the m's who are playing unreal baseball at this moment as they sweep toronto over the weekend they have won 11 of their last 12 games they have won 16 of their last 19 and now both teams both toronto and seattle 45 and 42 straight up again tied for that sixth and final what would be wild card spot in the american league
2: yeah, pretty crazy here for the Toronto Blue Jays. That looked like it was going to be that team that takes the next step here. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. may be an MVP candidate again this year. And also you fortify that pitching staff. Alec Manoa has been very good as a young pitcher. This was a team that was supposed to challenge, maybe be the favorites to win this division along with the Yankees and has really been playing bad baseball. We'll see if they can add on. But also from a Mariners perspective, this was a team that was supposed to be better this year, that wasn't playing all that good at baseball to start the season, including getting a couple bats in the offseason. This is the Mariners team that we anticipate a team that's going to be fighting for the playoffs in that wild card spot, yep. winning the division, not
1: going to happen. But playoff chance, absolutely. And that's the crazy thing right now. And we'll look at these American League pennant odds for the teams that make up the wild card spots at the moment, because the Mariners, who've won 16 of the last 19 games, are still 12 games back of the Astros in the American League West. We showed you the Red Sox with the third-best record in the AL overall, still 14 games back. Of the yankees in the american league east so there's no value in those divisional markets but three of these teams are going to be in the postseason so drs as we look at the al pennant odds for the non-divisional leaders at the moment that's where we find the value the red sox in that third spot right now in the top wild card spot fourth in the playoff standings if you will 12 to 1 in the american league pennant race the fourth best odds the rays not far behind 13 to 1. The Blue Jays and the Mariners are now tied for that sixth and final spot. Toronto still has the third best odds in the American League at 6 to 1. Value on the Mariners, DRS, at 40 to 1. A team, like you mentioned, we expected to challenge for that wild card race this season. Struggled early on, now rounding into that form we expected.
2: Yeah, no surprise here at the FanDuel Sports, but that when you take a look and say, now hold on, how in the three-hole there is the Toronto Blue Jays at 6-1? to Doesn't yeah. look like they're very formidable at this point, but it's the team that they can actually become. Now, we don't know if they're going to add on at the trade deadline or not, but this team is way too talented to be floundering around at the 500 number, around 545 and 42. So it's fascinating to find a playoff. And also yeah. the White Sox at 15-1, to we're waiting for them to do something. They might not even make the playoffs, but yet they're still listed with a right. decent price. Just shows you the talent that can actually work out in the end if they put it together.
1: The White Sox still five and a half games back in that American League Central. As we said, the Houston Astros still have a 12-game lead over the Mariners, despite the run Seattle has been on. Why? Because Houston continues to win baseball games as well. They've won 11 of their last 13, a minus 3,000 favorite in the American League West. So those are how the contenders slash maybe pretenders stack up in the American League. We do the same exercise in the National League up next here on The Morning After on SportsGrid. contenders or pretenders for the national league pennant that's what we look at right now live on a monday on the morning after on sports Grid. donnie Wrightside side is here for the first couple of segments of this opening hour and drs has a tremendous amount of expertise in major league baseball where the reigning world series champion drs the atlanta braves are looking like that over the last month really since the beginning of june a sweep over the Washington Nationals this weekend walking it off in 12 innings yesterday against the Nats for a 4-3 victory the same score they won by on Saturday so since the start of June June 1st Atlanta DRS 29 and 8 straight up they started June on a 14 game winning streak and since then still well above 500 15 and 8 the Braves rounding into form and looking like Those reigning World Series champs destined maybe for back-to-back titles in the A,
2: I got to tell you, this is one of those you know, starting at the year where maybe it's not the Braves' year. You're waiting for Ronald Acuna to come back from his knee injury. You lose Freddie Freeman. You pick up Olsen. And maybe the pieces weren't going to fit together. But my goodness here, everything is falling into place once again for the Atlanta Braves. It's almost like they never left, right? So you take a look at one of the front offices, Ben, that I love. I think it's fantastic. Last year at the deadline, not making major moves, but making moves that fortified that baseball team, adding a couple bullpen arms, a couple key bats, and they won a World Series. So we saw cutting into the season. Oh, they're going to resign Freddie Freeman, and they didn't. And it looks like they tried to find their way over the first, like, month, month and a half of the season. But i got to tell you right now, Atlanta Braves is one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, and outside of just saying to yourself for the New York Mets, where and deGrom are going to come back, you can't overcome that. I'm not so sure about that. And quite frankly, maybe mm.
1: the Braves will be in first place, Ben, by the time we hit the All-Star break. Because these two teams, Atlanta and New York, start their second series of the year against each other today in atlanta you want a marquee matchup on your monday mm. how about the battle of the maxes max Fried starting for atlanta max scherzer on the other side for new york and right now scherzer and the amazons a road underdog in atlanta today on the FanDuel sportsbook at plus 116 but the reason atlanta might have an opportunity to overtake new york in the national league east is because what the braves did when scherzer Degrom, and mcgill were out for new york and what they have done since the beginning of june again 29 and 8 is the record for the braves since june 1st with the best offensive numbers in all of the national league drs which begs the question is atlanta on the same tier as the new york mets and the la dodgers or do you think there is still a distinction in the national league pennant race It's great you
2: bring this up because when you just take a look at the Los Angeles Dodgers, and again, you still have to placate yourself and say what's going to happen at the trade deadline. We know the two teams in the NL here, the Dodgers and the Mets, they got big, deep-pocketed owners that are going to spend. I mean, just take a look last year for the Dodgers, going out and getting a nice little combination of Trey Turner and Max Scherzer at the deadline. Now, do we know if those players will be available, those caliber-type players will be available this year? We don't know. But the one thing I do know is the Braves made every single move, and it was correct last year, at the trade deadline for the players that they brought in to get them a world championship. But I got to tell you, when I look at the Dodgers and the Mets, plus 230, plus 400 prices here at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NL, I see the Braves at that 450, and I say it sounds about right, but just the talent, and I know I'm saying this because I like the Braves. They're very talented. But I just think when I look at the Dodgers and the Mets, they have a team that can take it up to the next level because who the Dodgers will add, we'll see. But if the Mets do have DeGrom and Scherzer, Ben, healthy come playoff time, That's going to be too much to overcome, at least in my book here, even though the Atlanta Braves are a great baseball team.
1: I mean, in that playoff series, to have those arms out there, and Grom and Scherzer, the upper hand, of course, has to go to New York in those 1v1 matchups. But what will the National League odds look like at that time? And we've seen some movement over the weekend. The Dodgers are the favorites at plus 230, but 10 cents against them because of the move on Atlanta. From plus 500 before the weekend got underway to now plus plus. 450 and the Mets moved back slightly from plus 350 now to four to one Atlanta at this time last week tied for the third best odds with the Padres they have moved up by a dollar and a half in about seven days time that's the movement in the National League pennant race and of course with New York and Atlanta starting a series against each other today in the A the Braves and the Mets also battling it for the top spot in the National League East where we have seen movement in the divisional odds as well the Mets at this time last week minus 175 or so now minus 130 only a game and a half lead over the Braves who went from plus 130 to plus 110 and are not far behind the Mets and again booked as a minus 134 favorite at home today against Scherzer and the Mets very very interesting times in the national league east by the time we get to the all-star break WRS is right we might see a new team at the top of the national league east standings but everybody at the moment looking up at the dodgers in the national league it was not easy yesterday for a sweep over the cubs in fact an offensive shootout in Los Angeles, but the Dodgers sweep the Cubbies over the weekend, winning the finale yesterday, 11-9. Two straight sweeps for L.A., this four-game set against the Cubs, a three-game set at home against the Rockies before we got to the weekend. So the Dodgers now have won seven straight games, the R.S., in 11 of their last 12. L.A. is certainly for real. Do you agree where they stand at plus 230, that number that makes them the favorite to win the National League pennant? I do, because
2: if you're taking a look at just talented rosters here, forget about the starting pitchers. I'm talking about a one through nine. The joke for me has always been over the past two to three years is most teams that you bet on, Ben, you wait for the starting lineup to come out or you have a good idea. It doesn't even matter with the Dodgers. It's like everybody seems like they're all-star caliber. They bring up a prospect. He's the next great thing in Major League Baseball and also an ownership group that's willing to put in the time, effort, and money to go out and improve the team, whether it be free agency or at the trade deadline. And I like to say, blink yep. and you probably missed it here. But quite frankly, a week ago, you're saying, okay, Dodgers-Padres, let's see if, you know, Manny Machado comes back and Fernando Tis could come come back and, you know, help that lineup and yep. chase down the Dodgers. They're up eight games now, eight games already mm-hmm. here when they were probably going to extend that lead. And quite frankly, look at the, you know, the 60-win team in this league so far being the Yankees, not far behind are the Dodgers. There's a really good chance why by the end of the season, the Dodgers actually have
1: the best record in baseball by quite a margin here. That's just how talented they are tied with the Astros at 56 and 29 straight up for the second best record in the bigs. Everybody trailing the Yankees who are 61 and 25 straight up. But two and a half weeks ago, we were talking about LA struggling with Mookie Betts out of the lineup. And what would it look like from a pitching staff perspective for dave roberts and la they are finding their groove right now again they have won seven straight games 11 of their last 12 drs mentioned it last weekend in a big divisional series against the padres we thought this might be a toss-up in the division once again no the dodgers an eight-game lead in the national league west the strongest advantage of any of the divisions in the nl and minus 600 now the price on the Dodgers to win this division, the best odds we have seen on L.A. all year long. I do want to mention the Philadelphia Phillies real quick here, DRS as well. 22-1 to 1 in those National League East standings we showed just a couple of moments ago because they're seven games back of the New York Mets, but the Phillies, DRS, are in that sixth spot, only a couple games behind San Diego in that battle for the wild card race in the National League as well.
2: Yeah, and how about this? You know, Kyle Schwarber sort of taking the mantle here from Bryce Harper to try to keep this team afloat. Had another lead yesterday, three to one, but they let that one slip away, but still playing good baseball. Got Aaron Nola on the mound tonight against Miles Michaelis, so if they can pick up another win here, they're just looking to stay above water, stay in that playoff race, Ben, until Bryce Harper possibly comes back by the middle of August, and hopefully he can return back to form. But fun baseball is being played in Philadelphia here, and it's quite frankly enjoyable here that you might have thought they would have fallen off the table, and they have not, because they've actually been getting very, good starting pitching and also how about this over the last 30 days a
1: good bullpen in philly oh yes sir and that's the optimism for philadelphia not only the bullpen but the injury news surrounding bryce harper's broken thumb has been very positive at this moment 18 to 1 the price on the fills to win the national league pennant And drs they end that four game set against st louis today like you mentioned a great pitching matchup michaelis and nola going against each other Speaking of those Cardinals, though, DRS, does anybody want to run away with the National League Central? Does anybody truly want to win this division? The Cards have lost eight of their last 11 games, but they're still only two and a half games back of Milwaukee for that top spot in the NL Central because Milwaukee suffered a series loss against the Pittsburgh Pirates dropping the final two games of this series set. The Brew Crew now have lost four of their last five games, so they can't pull away despite the minus 240 price they're booked with in the NL Central.
2: This is like the bizarro world of the AL East, right, where everybody seems to be really good, including the Baltimore Orioles. And then you take a look at the Brewers and the Cardinals, going. We get no pushback from anybody behind us with the Pirates, Cubs, or Reds. So, yeah, sure, we'll go five and five over ten, and we'll hang around in this divisional race until August and through yep. September. Somebody's got to take the lead here, whether it's the the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, where the front end starting pitching and also the back end are very good. We have a questionable lineup. The opposite with the Cardinals, right? Power arms on the back end, but a much more powerful lineup. We'll see how it plays out here, but. Milwaukee still being in that lead two and a half games probably going to be the front runner all throughout the rest of you know July and August but I'm not going to count out the yeah. Cardinals here I did it last year to the wrongness of myself but this year looks like the Cardinals being it right to the end with the Brewers as well.
1: DRS the fifth best odds is what Milwaukee holds right now in the National League pennant plus eight fifty the sixth best odds on the cards at thirteen to one are either of these two teams for real in terms of contending for the National League. I mean,
2: the Brewers are always going to be legitimate. Why? How do you win in the playoffs? You get timely hitting because they don't have a great lineup here, but you get dominant front end starting pitching with closers, including an eighth inning guy of Devin Williams that can really shut the door. There'll be a player in October if they can get there.
1: Postseason baseball is built for the Brewers. If they can get six or seven good innings from their starters and then go to the back end of that pen. DRS. Donnie Wrightside, the man that does it all, also catch him in the lead hosting chair on the Monday line each and every weekday on Sports Grid Radio, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. DRS, thank you as always. Fun stuff as usual on a Monday. Thanks, Ben. The college football world is changing drastically. We need Connor O'Gara's insight. He joins the show up next What a summer what a two-week span it has been for college sports specifically college football media days are on the horizon all across the country welcome back to the morning after on sports grid it is time to look at the college football landscape both the future and the present which what will happen this upcoming season in CFB. helping us do that on this Monday morning is our good friend of the program it is Connor O'Gara a national football columnist for Saturday down south, covering the SEC, but really all of CFP with the best of them. COG, thank you so much for joining us here on this Monday morning.
3: Good to be here, man. We were just talking before we came on. This is the first media I've done since I got back from Utah. Spent a week out there. No, I was not digging into Zach Wilson rumors. I was just on vacation with my family. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good time to be away because when you have like swimming websites breaking news about college football realignment, I feel like that's when it's right. time to, to log off.
1: I hope you were keeping Zach Wilson away from any mothers in your traveling party. I hope that maybe you were diving into the potential plans for Utah. Could it be Big 12 expansion for that former potentially Pac-12 member? Because COG, in the last two weeks, we have seen tons of reports and some movement substantiated in college football. Of course, what started about a week and a half ago now with the news, the Big Ten had approved the move for USC and UCLA to join the conference starting in 2024. Reports early last week, the Big 12 was looking to add more members. Unsubstantiated reporting that the SEC was deep in conversations with teams like Clemson and Florida State and potentially Virginia As well, All of this happening while you're off the grid in Utah. Now that you've settled back in slightly, what do you make of the changing landscape of college sports?
3: College sports is changing at a rate that I think a lot of people are really uncomfortable with. Whether you're a fan, whether you're a media member, whether you're a player, there is a lot of helplessness right now, and there is angst in that. And I think people just kind of want to see what the finished product looks like. And at this point, it's so hard to figure out what that is. And even the schools outside of that power too, which is, let's be honest, that's what it's become. If UCLA and USC are indeed going to the big 10, as is expected, this is a power too. And if you're on the outside looking in, you have to feel that angst. If you're an ACC school who is bound by that grant of rights deal, where you're you're in the same TV contract until 2036, How can you not feel angsty knowing that a team like Northwestern or Vanderbilt could be making twice as much money as you? So there is a lot of this unsettled way, I think, about college football in general right now. And with NIL potentially pay for play coming in the latter half of the decade, there are just so many different moving pieces. Oh, by the way, college football playoff expansion too. So everybody's trying to figure out what's next, right? But what's now, in my opinion, is really, really interesting because The SEC made this move a year ago, and the Big Ten finally answered. And now you're like, all right, finally. It isn't just going to be the SEC versus everyone else. It's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten versus everyone else.
1: The power, too, is a very apt way of describing the future and potentially present we have in college football. And as COG mentioned, the TV rights revenue is really the driving force behind all of this conference realignment. Connor, I'm going to ask you to peer into your crystal ball quickly here. What do you think the next domino to fall will be? And how soon might we see some of that actual reporting in the conference realignment landscape?
3: Man, uh, Notre Dame at plus 6000. I mean, we've been waiting on Notre Dame to actually join a conference forever. And so that's why those odds are kind of what they are. It's kind of like the the equivalent of um, John Gruden to Tennessee rumors. When you always see those odds come out every single time there's any sort of bad blood in Knoxville or any sort of debate about the head coach. But when you kind of think about this, all right, do we think the Big Ten or the SEC is going to be next to make a move? I don't because I don't think they're the ones who have to react. I think what's more likely and I've heard Andy Staples talk about this as well is you see a a Pac-12 school join the Big 12. I I think that could be something that we see uh, coming up in the very near future because let's think about what they need to do. They need to adapt or die at, at this point. Like You don't really have much of a choice. You can't make up that lost ground for the TV contracts. And that's the issue with the Pac-12. And that's why if you're a school like Oregon or Washington, who I, I ultimately think they have the most value in the Big Ten and getting that big revenue check, I do think that there mm-hmm. is some, some sort of angst to want to join up with the Big 12. So now can these new commissioners for both of those leagues kind of join forces and uh, form a new age alliance if you will can that be the alliance that actually has some sort of staying power that's longer than the michael scott paper company
1: indeed the true alliance that have an effect on college football and connor i think it's so well said that oftentimes when you cover college football college sports it's the blending of the future with what is actually happening in the present all of these conference realignment moves are not going to go into effect Before this upcoming 2022 season. So we look at these upcoming national championship odds. Connor mentioned Notre Dame at 60 to one. One of the biggest movers and shakers we will see in the conference realignment space. But what will that affect Notre Dame with this upcoming year? Alabama the favorite at plus 180. We've seen movement on Ohio State. Now the second best price at plus 300. The reigning national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs, the third best number at plus plus. 350. So Connor, you see the odds for this upcoming year. How do you blend the future and all the changes we will see in the coming years with what is actually going to happen in the present for 2022?
3: I don't think it makes any difference. I, I really don't. I think this those are two totally separate deals. I, I don't think USC's twenty twenty two outlook is dependent on what happens, you know, with their future move to the Big Ten. I think it's dependent on whether or not Caleb Williams is actually gonna be good against a defense who can actually who can actually play football. I mean that's what this comes down yep. to. If you kinda look at the separation of numbers with him against the the quality defenses he faced last year. Uh, it, it's night and day. So that's the big question I have about USC. And for everybody saying that USC is going to be that playoff team, I don't even like those odds at plus 2,000 because I think Utah and Cam Rising okay. is going to be the the Pac-12 champ. And I think Utah is going to go to the playoff. I'm not just saying that because I spent a week there. I was on record before that. But that's why yeah. I'm not crazy about those odds. I probably wouldn't be crazy about their odds at plus 8,000 either. I have Ohio State winning a national championship. So plus 300, 3-1 mm. three to on my money for that i like those odds i think there's a very um kind of like under the radar thing about what ohio state has going which sounds so weird to say because of all the offensive firepower that they return of course with jackson smith and jigba with travion henderson with cj stroud all these guys marvin harrison jr that we expect to be stars and we have questions about their defense of course as well can they be able to get some better prep Uh, pressure on the passer can Larry Johnson kind of rebuild that defensive line all those different things but I still think Ohio State has the best odds for that same stat that I keep coming back to about one preseason favorite in the AP poll has won a national championship in the last 17 years and it was 2017 Alabama so give me plus 300 for Ohio State they would be my favorite team to win a national championship just based on those odds
1: Connor, we see those three teams in Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia, all within less than $2 of each other for their odds to win a college football playoff national championship. We can group those big three then, and the FanDuel Sportsbook has. Minus 340 for Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia versus the field in terms of winning a national championship. Minus 340 for those three programs, pretty heavily favored to do so. Is there that big of a distinction in your mind between those big three in Alabama, UGA, and Ohio State from the rest of FBS-level college football?
3: There is that big distinction. There there is a bigger distinction between the top three and the field than any time I can ever remember covering college football. And that's just from a preseason outlook. Obviously, those things change once the regular season starts. But if you filled out one of these top 10s, you realize after number three, after you get through those top three, you're scratching your head going, oh, man, what, what am I doing? Because all these teams have first year head coaches. And I said coming into this year that Texas A&M is going to be the most overrated team in all of college football. And I think people are really jumping the gun on them because of this historic 2022 class that Jimbo Fisher signed, um, bought, according to some people. I won't yep. name names here, but you know who <laughs> I'm talking about. That's why so many people have fallen in love with this AM thing of, oh, well, Georgia just won a national championship. They just ended their drought. So am has got to be next. They're going to win their first national title since 1939. And I'm not there with a team that was very mediocre in SEC play that lost a ton of talent in their front seven. So I, I look at that and I say, well, yeah, one through three, that's where this thing should probably be decided because the talent is so top heavy. And for all these people that think, oh, stars don't matter, to, to quote Ari Wasserman, who's the leader of the Stars Matter movement, they really do when it comes to winning a national championship. And there is so much evidence in the playoff era to, to, to show that. So even though those those odds seem really, really skewed, I still think that there is just such a big difference. And I think the national championship will be one of those three teams.
1: This is why Connor O'Guera is a pros pro. He does not see the rundown. He doesn't know what we bring into the show, but we know we can ask him anything. And we built a graphic, Connor, specifically on the Aggies in Texas A&M in 2022. A lot of talk this off season out of Jimbo Fisher, but here's where the odds say the expectation should be in College Station. Eight and a half for a win total, heavily juiced to the over, an indication they should at least win nine games. 18 to one in the SEC, the third best odds, but well behind Georgia and Alabama, and the sixth best odds to win a national championship at 25 to one. What do you think is a fair level of expectation for Texas A&M, maybe not the floating idea of being a true national championship contender?
3: I think they have New Year's Six Bowl upside, but am I sitting here today predicting AM, a team that has not played in a conference championship game of the 21st century, is about to win a national title? No, I'm not. And I understand all the resources that they have available. I'm still not convinced that Jimbo Fisher is this unbelievable no doubter, pencil it in offensive mind because as we saw last year he is not the best when it comes to troubleshooting haynes king goes down in the second game of the season zach calzada comes in and the offense really struggled outside of that game against alabama man it was rough and so i look at those odds and i think to myself all right how are they going to be so much different than last year because yeah they get the influx of talent but when have we ever said Oh, yeah, that team that's playing in a national championship, they're there because they their true freshman class. This is college football, not college basketball. That's not happening yet. I'm not expecting Walter yep. Nolan to become this unbelievable godsend of a player in year one. AM is going to have a championship window in 2023 and 2024. Jimbo Fisher is going to have a chance to do right on that fake national championship fake national championship plaque that he was presented with upon arrival at okay. Texas AM. That's not happening in 2022, so I don't necessarily think that that's a really good bet. Now, if you're talking over/under, Wintel eight and a half. All right, that's a little bit interesting. They still play in the toughest division in college football. I would have a better I would have a better feeling about Arkansas being the second place team in the SEC West than Texas a And M.
1: Alabama the favorites in the SEC a minus 400 favorite in the SEC West Georgia on the other side minus 550 in the SEC East let's end with the Heisman Trophy conversation here in the offseason Connor O'Guero, what is the saying you want everybody to know in the shirts that need to be printed when it comes to the Heisman Trophy odds
3: Friends don't let friends bet on preseason Heisman favorites. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You don't do it. It's bad money. It is always bad money. D- do not give me Bryce Young. Do not give me CJ Stroud. Give me Quinn Ewers. Give me Quinn Ewers, the Texas Ooh. quarterback, who has a realistic path to winning a Heisman trophy with Steve Sarkisian at the controls. Everybody's talking about Arch Manning coming in, and Arch Manning's going to start over a pre-draft season Quinn Ewers Get out of here with that take. I, I'm not buying that whatsoever. Nope. I think Quinn Ewers is a fascinating Heisman Trophy candidate, and not just because he looks really good throwing the ball in practice. I think he has the tools around him. B. John Robinson coming back at tailback. They have some nice playmakers on the outside. I'm a believer in him.
1: Connor O'Gara and I could do this all day long. Thank you so much, COG. More of the morning app.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Counting out hour number one, the morning after live on this Monday, right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid radio on Sirius XM, all across the Grids network. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here. Start off your new week. Ending out hour number one is a little tease of what we will discuss in hour number two. Here we are in the middle portion, early portion of July, depending on how you want to conceptualize it. We're getting ready. For football, a college football discussion with Connor O'Gara just a few moments ago and coming up in hour number two, a look at the individual award odds for this upcoming year in the National Football League, including that of NFL MVP. Some key handicapping metrics we'll bring to you in our second hour. But first, we wanted to hear from you of the four betting favorites right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Who gets your early vote for NFL MVP? Let's find out together and fade the public. So that was the question from the four favorites on the FanDuel Sportsbook. As of this moment, who gets your early vote for NFL MVP this upcoming season? The favorite is Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, plus 700. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady at plus 800. And Aaron Rodgers also in a tie with Justin Herbert for the fourth best price at 10 to 1. Aaron Rodgers has one at 10 or two straight years rather. Josh Allen, though gets the love from the public a decisive amount of love at sportsgrid tv on twitter this active and ongoing poll nearly 52 percent of the public right now say josh allen is deserved of that favored price at plus 700 and should be the early frontrunner for the nfl mvp award this upcoming year josh allen is the favorite to win the nfl mvp the buffalo bills are the favorites to win the afc and the favorites to win the super bowl at plus 650 as well correlated markets team success individual success we'll dive even deeper into those odds for the mvp in the nfl and some other individual awards in hour number two that begins with a sports grid news update from alex fasano on the other side of the break